You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension comprised of knowledge, opinions, and entertainment. A journey on a virtual information highway into a wondrous land whose boundaries are more distant than the outer reaches of the Twitter sphere. Your next stop, the Trend Zone. Aw, yeah, baby. We're not the suits that talk football. We're the dudes that know football. And you've just crossed over into the Trend Zone. Casey here with Dave. We are the football dudes. Dave, are you ready, bro? Green 18. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Next stop, the Trend Zone. It's Wednesday, January 10th. Coming to you from Los Angeles, California. It's a beautiful 59 degrees here in January. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about a couple of shocking vacancies on the coaching carousel. The goat of all goats going out to pasture. And of course, all of the awesome games coming up from the wacky and woolly wild card weekend. Oh, oh. super wild card weekend. Thanks for asking. <laughs> but before we get to all that, Dave, let's get it started with the tasty nug for the people. And Dave, I'm not talking tasty nugs. I'm talking super tasty, crunchy, sticky, icky playoff nugs, bro. Come on. <laughs> that just happens to be the kind I'm packing right now, Casey, and delivering to the people. I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. <laughs> Check this one out, Case. For 34 consecutive seasons, at least four teams have made the playoffs that missed the playoffs the previous year. This year, there are six new teams to qualify for the playoffs. Those teams are Cleveland, Detroit, Green Bay, Houston, Pittsburgh, and our Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, baby. Party <laughs> over here, y'all. Once again, Casey, we talk about this all the time, too. There are four new division winners this year. Those are Baltimore, Houston, Dallas, and Detroit. And Casey, in 19 of the past 21 seasons, at least one team made the jump from worst to first. Boom. That happened this year, too, as the Houston Texans did just that. We mentioned the last couple of weeks, there's a chance that that could happen. It's in, it came through for the Texans. Pretty awesome. How about this one, though? Ten of the 14 playoff teams have won at least one Super Bowl, right? That means the other have the others have not. It's Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit, and Houston all looking for their first Super Bowl. Hmm. Crazy, dude. I got a little side nug here if we're talking about 10 of the teams. 10 of these playoff teams with at least one Super Bowl win have accounted for 32 of the 57 Super Bowl victories. They're greedy, Dave. Dude, they average three each. Selfish. How about sharing it? In fact, I'm kind of rooting for (laughs) Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit, and Houston to break through. One of these teams deserves it. 28 years feels like it's never happened, okay? Oh, it has been a long time for you boys. I'll tell you what. Casey, in the 2023 regular season, and we always talk about how tight these games are, 147 games that were decided by one score. So they're one score games, man. That uh, over the last two seasons, 543 games were one score games. That's almost 56% of the games come down to that last possession, basically, where one team's either trying to score and get that equalizer or the other team is trying to grind that clock out and finish the ball in victory formation. It's pretty awesome. Oh, man, that's why Vegas always wins. And Dave, a yeah. little fun fact, the last time both the Browns and the Lions won at least 10 games in the same season, 1953. And that was also <laughs> when Detroit defeated Cleveland in the NFL championship game it was tight back then too dave 17 16 party over here y'all yeah way to go all right detroit man detroit's having a pretty good season here casey uh overall even when you look at the college scene too and this lions team uh how how everything's going for detroit right now it's pretty exciting i know that's why i feel bad about what i have coming up but we'll get to that in a minute but i do (laughs) want to remind all the Hepcats out there in Listensville, the Trend Zone is now available for subscription on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry. Basically, anywhere you get your podcast, the football dudes are there. No doubt about it. It's all there for you, folks. Dave, we don't normally talk a lot of college football in here. We did just have the national championship, which you alluded to, the Michigan Wolverines, 34-13 over the Washington Huskies. 
Nice. But Dave, the guy that's got most of those in the last 20 so years, Nick Saban announces on Wednesday that he would be retiring from college football. Saban won six uh, titles at Bama, seven overall, and he won at least 10 games for 16 years in a row. That is total domination. It certainly is. And it's wonder, you know, I wonder, you know, if the changing landscape here, if he just got to that point in his life or, or like I said, the changing landscape of college ball, the way the portal has impacted things, the NIL, um, it's just not the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think it's tougher and tougher for Saban to keep up with that, those changes. Maybe that's it. Who knows? Maybe he just needed a change in, in his life and he's old enough and he's gotten, he's accomplished enough that he feels like he's, he's done enough. And as, as an actual head coach, and then who knows, you know, what, will he fade away? And, and we heard from a little bit here and there, or will he sort of become a person that is, uh, you know, talking a lot and, you know, discussing college football. That will be interesting to see. Yeah. You mentioned how the landscape is changing. It's less and less about coaching football and it is recruiting and it's re-recruiting your guys and these NIL deals and all that. Yep. If he could just sit there and just coach his guys and didn't have to do all that other crap, I think he'd probably hang around. But recruiting is a year round process now. It never stops. You got to constantly hammering that. And I don't think that's what appeals to Saban yeah. about football and coaching. So yeah, we're both just speculating on that, but I kind of feel like that that's the thing. It's just the way things have changed. He's just not comfortable uh, with going that route. It's he's exhausting, tired. dude. It's yeah, like, it's worse than it. what the pro guys have to do. You know, yeah. it's, yeah, it's not opens every other weekend and good guys are flying yeah. through it. And, you know, and then you have to, like I said, re-recruit your own guys, at least heading the pros. You sign this guy for a three-year deal. You know you yeah. have him for that. You sign this hotshot five-star quarterback. He wants to play. He's not ready. He's gone. Now you're bringing someone else in. Trend. It's it's Constant. a lot. It's a mess. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think at some point we might have to get two contracts for these college I guys think, with the portal yeah. craziness. Right. Maybe Saban just wants to just hold on to his Dr. Pepper, Casey. You know? Hey. <laughs> yeah, get, you know, that Aflac going. So plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dave, there was a, you know, that was the biggest news out of college. Absolutely. Uh, Black Friday or Black Monday came after the week 18 games. We had three jobs open during the season. The Raiders, the Chargers and the Panthers before more coaches joined in this week and a couple of them are blowing our freaking minds. Yeah, a little bit here. I mean, we certainly expected Ron Rivera was on the hot seat. And that one was pretty well. Uh, we saw that coming uh, yeah. out at the, at the Washington commanders there. Uh, the new uh, big money guy there owning that squad wants to put in uh, his own guy. Arthur Smith fired from the Falcons. That one was a little less straightforward, but again, I think they were about seven and 10, a couple of three seasons in a row. So uh, I think he had his chance and, and really wasn't showing enough improvement mm -hmm. there. Um, but Wow. The, the, the Vrabel one, dude, I mean, what this one came out of nowhere for us really um, with the Titans, I guess when you kind of look back at it, you can think about some of the acrimony between um, Vrabel and the general manager uh, in the personnel decisions, maybe. Yeah. It's hard to say what goes on behind the scenes there yeah. and was Vrabel involved in um, bringing in, you know, the other quarterbacks, obviously they tried to go with Tannehill who's fought some injuries and uh, just couldn't get it done. in some of the best seasons for the Titans there, Malik Willis came in, not really sure he was a dude. Um, it looks like they have something in Levis, but with Carthon there now, maybe he wants his stamp all over this team, but the Titans were a team that we looked at that seemed like, they were better coached than the actual team was. Yeah, I think they outperformed their talent, and I think you got to look at coaching uh, when that kind of thing happens. And it seems like to me that Vrabel will be one of those dudes that's not unemployed very long. Uh, he'll be at the front end of people's lists who are interested in, in acquiring a new head coach and and a guy that kind of puts his stamp on things and builds a team in in, in his image. You know, gives an identity mm -hmm. to a team. Yeah, and as shocking as that was, the news we got today just about an hour ago was even more shocking. I had no idea that this was in the works at all. Yeah, we didn't see this coming. Pete Carroll let go uh, from the Seahawks. He's still in a consulting uh, position there. 
uh, but he will no longer be the head coach of that football team. The energy that he brought, despite being, what, 72 years old, I believe? Yeah, 72 um, years young, Dave. Yeah, I mean, he was he was pumped. He was hyped up, and he was good to go. It seemed like he was ready to coach his guys through a brick wall. But um, apparently they, uh, they feel like uh, th- that maybe his message has run its course or whatever you want to say, but they're looking to move on and see if they can um, – you know, kind of start fresh there. And I guess Pete will have something to do with, uh, with that decision. Yeah. And I, uh, I was reading that before we started the show that, um, he was fighting hard to hold on to that coaching job, but mm. the brass was like uh, motivated to move in a different direction. So that also makes me question what kind of role he's going to have within the organization. I mean, you don't just throw a guy like Pete Carroll to the curb and be like, thanks, but no thanks. So, They'll figure it out, or maybe if he's still got the inkling that he wants to coach, he's going to turn down um, that consultant role and maybe move back to college or somewhere in the NFL. We'll see. It's still kind of fresh and raw there, but yeah, that also um, gives me a little worry about how they might go about filling that position with a former defensive coordinator <laughs> in Seattle that is in a different place right now. But we'll yeah. get- we might get to that later. Yeah. Story for another day. <laughs> yeah. And do it a story for another day. As of right now, Bill Belichick, still the HC of the Patriots. Yeah. And Belichick says he's coaching there uh, just like he always does. He's going about business, doing everything he can to make his team better. And his team is the Patriots. So until further notice, um, no change of status for Bill. I mean, could we see a situation where Bill agrees to let go? of a lot of the responsibility and is just coaching and moves out of, you know, having say in the GM role or less of a say there and stays put in new England and get some of his guys back in there. Is that the key Casey? Because we did, we talked about it off, off the show, but we did talk about Bill Belichick's first through third round picks over the last 10 years. And none of those guys have been re-signed mm-hmm. onto the Patriots, which and we know Bill Belichick is is calling the shots there. Um, some of the picks have been uh, questioned. Certainly, disastrous had, uh, issues with getting a receiver uh, through the draft. Um, so, yeah, if that's the issue, then maybe they can bring in a GM, kind of reshuffle the structure there, and just uh, you know have somebody at least guide him. Uh, yeah. With regards to uh, you know the 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 draft scenario. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Still plenty of time to work through that. There's going to be a lot of, you know, speculation on who's going where in between now and then, but there's bigger fish to fry. But Dave, we do have the draft order all dialed in. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, we do have the draft order dialed in indeed. And it is. Hey, before we go there. Talk about your hierarchy of what you think are the best uh, jobs available in the NFL. Oh, well, I mean, start with my Chargers, of course. Uh, they have the, the franchise quarterback in place that's um, still uh, – that's just signed a five-year extension. So he's got um, a lot uh, – you know, he's ascending. If you're talking about money, then certainly Washington looks like it will be a pretty good job, and so does Carolina because those guys got – uh, money coming out of their pockets every which way, and they're willing to spend to uh, to get their guy. So uh, Arthur Blank is pretty well off there too, and certainly um, the Seattle. There was talk about ownership change there, but I, I think that that may or may not be um, something that people concern themselves with. There's only 32 of these things, so yeah, you know, when you look at it, the big picture, um, all of these jobs are fantastic jobs, and it's an opportunity for somebody, you know. Uh, who knows Tom Brady's trying to buy into the Raiders and they're in Vegas. So there's a lot of shine on that too. And we talked about the Titans, you know, there was a bit of a transition going, but they've still got some good pieces there. So, yeah, dude. And the problem with most of these teams is they don't have a quarterback. You mentioned your chargers do. So in these um, top 10 picks, obviously the bears have the number one overall pick from Carolina followed (laughs) up by the Durs the Patriots, the Cardinals, your Chargers at five, the Giants at six, Titans at seven, Falcons at eight, Bears at nine, and then the Jets at 10. So 
we're gonna we're gonna need some quarterbacks. No doubt about it. This year, it would not surprise me if quarterbacks go one, two, three. And that would be pretty exciting. Uh, I'm not suggesting that the teams that possess those picks are picking quarterbacks, but simply that those quarterbacks, those picks will be used on quarterbacks. And I expect to see some of these guys. I mean, there's some really exciting young quarterback prospects uh, coming out in this year's draft. So, well, speaking of prospects, some undergrads got a little bit of good news this week. Yeah, the NFL announced 34 players who've been granted special eligibility for the 24 draft. Uh, those guys are eligible to be drafted at this point. So those 34 players are basically an additional rounds worth of players uh, that are available to be selected in late April at the draft in Detroit, Michigan this year. It's going to be exciting. Oh, and some of those guys are actually going to get to play one more football game. Yeah, uh, the East-West Shrine Bowl, the HBCU Legacy Bowl, and the Senior Bowl are now uh, inviting underclassmen to participate in their games. Uh, so that is very exciting. Even the Senior Bowl, I, mean, I don't know if they're going to change the title of this thing. <laughs> but um, anyway, you slice it. <clears throat> Those are uh, exciting opportunities. One last chance to show these guys, some of them from different programs and stuff, that when you put all of them together and all that talent is assembled that how do they measure up? And so I think a lot of uh, the GMs and the talent evaluators and such um, value these games considerably when they get to see those practices, even that lead up to the game. Yeah. And it only seems fair to do it this way because as we've seen in the last few years, more of these players, especially from the senior bowl are getting drafted to teams and not only getting oh, yeah. drafted being major contributors. So yeah. If you're out of college and you're going to the pros and you've done all your stuff, might as well let those guys play. So I am stoked about all of that. No question. It's going to just make the senior bowl a little bit more talent laden and there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. Right. Mm -hmm. We get to see some of these juniors play that wouldn't have been eligible previously. So yeah. certainly a, a, an advantage for everything, everyone involved. Win, win, baby. Well, speaking of win, Dave, it's win or go home. It is super wild card weekend. I can't believe it, Casey. I got to tell you, it's slipping away, man. <laughs> it is, dude. Just a few short weeks. Wow. It is nuts, dude. But this six pack of games that they've got on tap for us here, uh, it's really going to be quite exciting. Go ahead uh, and get us started on that, bro. Will do, man. How about the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans? It's a two and a half point favorites of the Browns on the road here. Uh, it is a rematch of a week 16 game. One uh, by, uh, uh, excuse me, but one, it was in Houston, but it was one by Cleveland, 36 to 22. Of course, that one did not have Mr. C.J. Stroud. That's right. And this is the Deshaun Watson Bowl in March of 2022. Cleveland traded its 22, 23, and 24 first-round picks, a 2023 third-round pick, and fourth-round picks in 22 and 24 for Watson and a Houston six-round pick. But we're not even going to see Watson and his $230 million guaranteed contract in this. But we'll see the other side of that. We're talking C.J. Stroud. Yeah. And – Dude, Stroud was only 13 years old the last time Joe Flacco started in a playoff game, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a minute for Flacco, but the Texans became the first team in the Super Bowl era to win a division with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. Not only that, but dude, Houston absolutely nailed this draft with Stroud and Anderson, Tank Dell, who's unfortunately hurt, Xavier Hutchinson, and Juice Scruggs, dude. And last week, uh, it was a playoff game. C.J. Stroud, 20-26, 264 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he led that fourth-quarter drive, 12 plays, 73 yards to take the lead and send those Colts home. Stroud is a better than anybody could have hoped for, but can he keep it going against this number-one-ranked Browns pass defense? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I'll tell you what. Um, the Browns, for their uh, journey to the playoffs, had won four in a row and secured a playoff spot. So they chose to ref, rest players and took a, a loss in a meaningless game uh, last week, losing to the Bengals. But 
you know, at 11 and six in the five seed, they got to go on the road here uh, to, to Houston. And like I said, this isn't the same Houston team that they beat a couple weeks ago that also <clears throat> did they not have CJ Stroud. They also weren't fielding Will Anderson in that yeah. football game. So another huge, like you said, massive impact player for this Texan squad, but the grounds, the Browns season was in serious jeopardy, dude, due to poor quarterback play until they brought in Flacco and his consistent play has made this team a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So, uh, Flacco, the first player in history, dude, with 250 plus yards and two touchdown passes in each of his first five games with the team. So a really impressive, uh, you know, performance since he's arrived there. He actually leads the the league in yards per game at 323 plus wow. yards per game. He's thrown 13 TDs in just five games, which actually would lead the NFL at in touchdowns per game at 2.6 touchdowns per game. It would equate to 44 TDs in a season, which would have led the league. Of course, extrapolating is quite dangerous, Casey. Beyond all that, though, his big arm, you know, and I think his solid decision-making has really opened up the Browns' offense quite a bit and made all the other players around him much better. Yeah, I want to see if C.J. Stroud can keep his good decision-making up because he's done it well all year, only five interceptions. The Browns lead the NFL in takeaways with 28 but the Texans lead the NFL in giveaways at only 14 Texans mm. plus 10 on the season, the Browns minus nine. I know a lot of that business happened before Flacco got there, yeah. but that's going to be a huge part of this game. And I know that CJ won't have tank Dell, but he's going to have Nico Collins last week in the playoff game, nine catches, 195 yards and a touchdown and started that game the right way, that big 75-yard touchdown right off the bat. Yeah, that was awesome. Probably no Noah Brown in this, who's been really good in this. So someone else is going to have to step up. Is it going to be Dalton Schultz? Is it going to be Hutchinson? Or is it going to be Bobby Trees? we got to see what happens with that receiving core and if they can function against that Jim Schwartz defense. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. C.J. Stroud's decision-making, but also the anticipation that he throws the football with. Man, he throws it before guys have cut, and it's right on the money. Oh, yeah, dude. It, I think it was second 14 last week. He was way back. He just lobbed that thing. I thought he was throwing it out, but it was Nico Collins coming around, grabbing the catch. Those guys had connected on it. That was a big play. Kept a drive going. And uh, you're right, the anticipation from Stroud is off the charts. And he's going to have to be really good because the Texans can't run the football, dude. They're averaging less than 97 yards on the ground uh, running the football. So that also plays into Cleveland's. Um, yeah, well, you know, talking about well. the Cleveland defense, I, I got to get it to that, Casey. They led the league in total defense. Yards per game was just over 270 uh, yards allowed per game. That's the fewest yards per game allowed in 10 seasons, in 10 seasons now, since wow. Seattle did that with 267, just over 267. So pretty much the same. Uh, that's every 10 years you get kind of a defense with this kind of yardage given up, man. Miles Garrett, uh, 14 and uh, 14 sacks in three straight seasons. And that also means 14, 14 or more, but 14 this year as well. Um, so it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, th these guys have um, bang a handful of dudes banged up, uh, though as well, which can be uh, you know an issue. Uh, you know, we'll see if if they've got a lot of guys ready to go. Like I'm talking a handful of guys. Kareem Hunt is questionable. Mm -hmm. Pierre Strong, the running back, questionable. Amari Cooper's listed as questionable, right? So I mean. It's the Texans be better hope that Cooper doesn't play in that week 16 game 11 for 265 and two touchdowns. Yeah. Maybe that was give a little extra game. attention to Amari. Yeah, maybe. maybe so. And he had arguably his best season ever. He was in the Pro bowl. He had 1250 yards on the season and five touchdowns. Other guys though, have stepped it up. David and Joku's had a fantastic game. He's a, a really strong blocker as well. Um, which helps that running game where Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt have really picked up after the loss of Nick Chubb. I got a little something going on over got, there. Got a little crazy dog here that wants to get in. I guess she's a Browns fan because of the dog. <laughs> <family>. <laughs> it is going to be an interesting game too. Yeah. contrasting styles. 
the the Texans, like I said, this is basically a second playoff game because they had to win last week or there was no moving forward. They got that done. It's going to be a step up in intensity and step up in competition. It's going to be a good game. Awesome football game. All right, Dave, up next, we have the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Chiefs beat Miami and Frankfurt in week nine, 21-14. Dave, the forecast for Kansas City on Saturday looks to be very cold. Temperatures in the fourth quarter expected to hit minus six degrees, double-digit wind speeds, and a 43% chance of light snow. Sidebar in 1971, the AFC playoffs, Dolphins (laughs) and Chiefs played the longest game in NFL history, 82 minutes and 40 seconds. They could also be playing in the coldest. This is the Tyreek Bowl, Dave. Tell me about these fins. <laughs> That's right. The Tyreek Bowl is a good one. Uh, Dolphins have had won five of six, but have since lost two straight, getting blown out by the Ravens two weeks ago and then losing last week to the Bills. Losing those games, extremely costly for this Dolphins team. They were the two seed. Now they drop to the six seed and likely playing road games throughout Ooh. the playoffs. It has been one of the most prolific offenses. We've talked about it all year. They led the league in total offense over 400 yards a game. Tua led the league in pass yards at over 4,600, right? And that's, that's, he actually threw the third most yards in Dolphins franchise history. Wow. It's pretty impressive. They've got a guy named Dan Marino there that put up some big numbers. So awesome season. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Mostert, Devon A. Chain. They've had exceptional seasons there, but lately, They've been really banged up and haven't had a couple of pieces lately on offense, in particular Waddle still questionable and Mostert questionable. They've missed a couple of games now and they're kind of trending in the right direction, which would be enormous for this team because basically they were a shell of themselves Mm -hmm. recently on defense. They lost Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb and Xavier Howard was unable to play. He's still doubtful going into this. Oh, that's brutal, dude. So we don't know what the situation is going to be. They need these guys to rally, right? Tyreek Hill has been banged up. He's questionable. I know these guys are going, but when you have a designation like that, Mostert, A-Chain, Waddle, Tyreek, you know, Teron Armstead, I'm talking about like the best guys on the team here are all questionable. So um, that becomes an enormous issue. Uh, is can they field a team that can really execute Mike McDaniel's offense, that can do um, what they need to do on the defensive side of, of the ball to get after the quarterback, which they brought in a handful of pass rushers in the last couple of days. They're just looking to see if anybody's got yeah. fresh legs can get in there and make something happen. you got to get after Mahomes and can't let him run around back there. And when it's third and 15, guess what? He always makes 16 yards with his legs. <laughs> so look out. I know, and dude, even on a down year, the Chiefs still figure out a way to win their eighth straight AFC yep. West and get the three seed. Mahomes has an 11-3 record in 14 career playoff starts. 13 of those starts coming at home, or I guess 12 of those with the two Super Bowls, so really only losing one at home. At least two TD passes, a 90-plus passer rating in each of his past six. But when the Chiefs have been their best this year, it's been when Isaiah Pacheco's out there. He yeah. had a huge part in uh, the 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 game um, leading up to your Charger game in Week 18 against the Bengals. I'm sorry, they drove the ball down a lot, had to settle for field goals, but at least that looked more like the Chiefs' offense moving forward. But um, still, dude, just 21.8 points a game. That's 15th in scoring. You just don't associate that with the Chiefs team. And in that week nine game, the difference was really a Tyreek Hill fumble that was a scoop and score with just 33 seconds left in the second quarter. So it's not like the Chiefs were getting a lot going on offense in that game. The defense has bailed them out, which they've done a lot this year. And they've needed to do that because these Chiefs, dude, are minus 11 in turnover ratio. Mahomes is making some very questionable decisions with the football this year. Yeah, there's no question about that, Casey. This isn't the same Chiefs offense that was just clicking along the last five seasons. There's, you know, this Mm -hmm. is, they had hosted the AFC Championship five seasons in a row, and it was largely because their offense was so 
incredible. Last year, it was a younger defense that was shaping into place towards the end of the season uh, as they really came together late defensively. And that's what's sort of translated yeah. into this season and what Spags has been doing defensively with this Chiefs squad. And, you know, maybe they can turn it on. It's been such a prolific run. You mentioned the five straight AFC championships. Maybe there's like a malaise or a boredom that's coming with the regular season and we yeah. are going to see it. It just doesn't feel like that is what's going to happen. No, it feels like there are issues there. Cats being distracted with stuff outside of football, yeah. people taking players, people taking coaches. We'll see. They have a the most to... valuable bundler. For that's example. right. Yeah. Hogging all... them nuggies, you know, right. it's a mess yeah. out there. So, but beat these dolphins, a banged up dolphins team. Might get to host another one, and the chances are it still could come back to KC for the AFC Championship. Yeah. But um, I think a lot of this game will be settled on the ground, but we shall see. It's going to yeah, be bad well, conditions, it, dude. Yeah, like you said, Pacheco for the Chiefs is if he if he can what do what he does, and then on the other side, the combination of the running backs, you know, A Chain and Mostert, man, when they get those guys going, they they can really gouge a defense pretty quickly. Yeah, so it'll Jeff be Wilson very there too. Yes. Yeah, Wilson too. So we shall see. All right. Moving it on to Sunday, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills at home are favored by nine and a half. That's a pretty big spread for a playoff game, Casey. Absolutely. And since that week 12 loss to the Eagles, the Bills haven't lost a game. They've won five in a row. Going from out of the playoffs to AFC East champs wow. in the two seed. And since week 14, they're averaging over 24 points a game. That's 10th best in the NFL, over 350 yards a game. But where the biggest difference is, almost 150 yards rushing per game. That's good as for fifth in the NFL. And they're converting 50% of their third downs. Dude, that's second in the league right now. So Awesome. The biggest difference in this team besides James Cook, what he's been doing is when Josh Allen does or does not turn the ball over. And besides that Cowboys game where he only threw the ball 15 times, Josh Allen's had at least one interception in every game since week five dave what do the steelers love <laughs> oh man getting those turnovers they are a turnover hog machine and they get them at just the right time uh it is fascinating how the steelers team collects on turnovers just at the right moment in yeah. time to to win a game this steelers team has been remarkable this year casey i mean statistically speaking I've been hammering them all year because they haven't been good, but they're 10 and seven right now. They're 20th consecutive season with a 500 or better record. That's the second longest streak in the NFL history, right? Wow. But they were just seven and seven and kind of flailing as the 10 seed having uh, lost, you know, like a handful of games, four out of five and three straight, whatever. Pickett was out, Trubisky struggling. They went to Mason Rudolph and he gave them the spark they needed. They finally got to 30 points in a game and they did it twice in a row mm -hmm. and two out of the three games with Rudolph. And they played good teams. They beat Cincy, uh, Seattle and Baltimore uh, late there to finish the season. So um, all of those games, you talked about playoff games uh, in the past that weren't, you know, pseudo playoffs. All of those were playoff games because yeah. if they, they didn't get those games, they wouldn't have found themselves as the seventh seed. One of one more loss and they're out of the playoffs looking at, at all the other teams, but no, they rallied and did it. And, and like you said, um, a lot of it has to do with this defense. I mean, the offense has, has found their running game lately though. And I think oh, that, yeah. that's been enormous between Jalen Warren who's had a career high 1150 plus scrimmage yards. And then uh, lately Najee Harris mm -hmm. has really been a beast physically speaking over 1200 yards from scrimmage from him this season. So those things along with Mason Rudolph playing better football at the quarterback position has got this offense playing decent. And then Pickens who was uh, criticized for not blocking or basically he, he said it, I'm not blocking if I, if it's you know going to risk it, yeah. <laughs> but then he's actually, uh, he's had a nice impact late after since then he had a huge game there. He's had a heck of a season, 1100 plus yards. So, 
But you mentioned it, Casey. The key here is the way this defense functions. They don't give up a lot of points. They're mm-hmm. sixth, tied for sixth, just giving up over 19 points a game. And they're tied for eighth with 21, 27 takeaways. And that's led to a plus 11 turnover differential. So the turnovers in this game, as you mentioned, when you look at this Bill squad, when they lose, it's because they're sloppy with the football. In particular, yep. Josh Allen turns the ball over a lot. And that could be the key, as it's been all season long, for this Steelers team to find a way to get a win in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, if Allen is that sloppy, it's going to keep these Steelers in it. And I really love what James Cook has been doing in this offense, 1,500 scrimmage yards. But Stephon Diggs, dude, he hasn't gone over 100 yards since week six and no touchdowns in five straight games. I'm not sure if the weather in Buffalo is going to happen or to help that because it's supposed to be in the high mid-20s, wind between 20 and 35 miles an hour, potential for snow too. That looks like it could be a ground game. And last year, the Bengals came in with a no-line that was beat to crap and came in there and ran all over these damn Bills. You know, other than that loss, the Bills are four and one in playoff games at home. But like I said, that one loss was to the Bengals and they got blowed out 27 to 10. What I do like about the Bills team is they've been sniffing around making a a Super Bowl run the last couple of years here. Uh, I remember how they came out last year against the Rams. We're like, holy smokes, this team is ready. Kind of fell off this year. We mentioned they weren't even in the playoffs until a few weeks ago. They are finally catching their stride. And the good thing about Josh Allen is, as bad as it is, the good is even better. When he takes care of the ball, Mm -hmm. he is one of the most dynamic playmakers in the league. And his legs could really be beneficial in this game, especially if it's tough to throw the football in this. So this Bills team has definitely been through the fire. We're going to see if all that brutality becomes an asset to them on Sunday. Yeah, and they 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 lost to the Chiefs in the 13 seconds a couple of seasons ago. That that just has got to eat them up. Those this is a team again that that maybe it's peaking at the right time as as they've put together these late season wins to make this playoff push here. And like you said, if the wind is at 25 30 miles an hour, that will impact the passing mm-hmm. game. Um and Here's another huge thing that may impact this game is TJ Watt has been ruled out for this game. Yeah. Uh, he leads the Steelers with 19 sacks, has 19 tackles for loss, four forced fumbles and three fumble recoveries. Take him off of the field for the Steelers team. And literally they are a different defense yeah. than when he's on the field. He is their identity. And he's not just some vocal rah-rah guy. He makes huge plays at huge times and take that out of the equation. Like you said, now you've got Josh Allen running the ball a little bit more. When he puts the team on his back, next thing you know, that Bills team uh, is just churning down the field. Yeah, but when you look in your mind's eye to we think a playoff game, cold weather, need to run the ball and play defense, you think Pittsburgh. That sounds Steelers. like a Steeler ball game, right? Yeah, it's going to be good, baby. It is going to be a good one. Oh, Dave. Here it comes. I'm going to be squirmy. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be the whole time. But I am talking the Green Bay Packers at my Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys seven and a half point favorites. The Mike McCarthy ball. Dave, it was 13 short years ago when McCarthy led the Packers to a Super Bowl 45 victory in Dallas. Oh, Packers coming back. One of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. And Jordan Love is playing some great football. Yep, no question about it. And uh, your boys at home, Casey, favored by seven and a half. Am I right? Something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah, Packers have made the playoffs in four uh, for the fourth time in five seasons under Matt LaFleur, so pretty nice go of it there. But it wasn't easy in Josh Love's first season as a starter. They were really struggling offensively with a record of three and six. And it just seemed like a Love can't play, and this team is sunk for the season. But They rallied and won three in a row, beating some good teams, including my Chargers, but also the Lions and the Chiefs in that rally there. Mm -hmm. Seemingly, they were ready to make a playoff push. Josh Love playing great football during that stretch. Jordan. And Josh, oh, Jordan Love, excuse me. Right. (laughs) But then, then they lost two in a row and uh, they dropped to six and eight. 
the 11 seed. It seemed again, they were out, but then they got it together, ripped off three straight wins. Um, and all of those were necessary to make the playoffs because now they are the seventh seed. Had they not won all three of those, they would have not made the playoffs. Love finished the regular season, though, Casey, ranked second in the NFL with 32 TD passes. That doesn't seem even like, wow, that doesn't jive, but that's the case. He had 4,159 passing yards, and in his last eight games, he has 20 touchdowns, uh, 18 passes, and two rush. That's just one interception, 20 scores, with wow. one pick in that time period. So uh, both uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are questionable in this game, and they've struggled with injuries all season, but they are a great one-two punch. Uh, and Jones has been playing really well over the last three games. He has 406 uh, scrimmage yards in those three games. And the, one of the, I think the key to this whole situation for the Packers this season is the emergence of these young receivers, Casey. Yeah. And the stats bear that out. They have um, 31 touchdowns to receivers uh, that are playing in their first or second season in the NFL. That is the most by any team in the common draft era. So Yeah, like 85% of their offensive production is first and second year players. Right. Don't tell... Um, don't tell Aaron Rodgers uh, any of this, though, Casey. He's not going to be happy about about this new uh, batch of receivers for the for the Packers here. They're playing so well, but Christian Watson is questionable in this one. Romeo Dobbs questionable, but Jaden Reed, uh, Dontavian Wicks, and then you look at these tight ends. Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft have emerged as also very significant playmakers, guys that are involved in a blocking game uh, as well as receiving the football. So um, when you put it all together. This team, again, they've gone through trials and tribulations along the way. They are se seemingly kind of peaking towards the playoffs here, Casey, at just the right time and just the right time to head into Dallas and try and do some damage. Yeah, and we'll see what's up with this Cowboys defense. Obviously much better at home. They would love yeah. to make the Packers play catch up there. Can they get that rush on Love? Can they pressure him? force him into some errant throws. This is going to be the biggest game of his pro career. We've seen him. Uh, it took a little bit, but now he's, you know, evolved into a starter here. You mentioned weapons. Oh, plenty there. If we can get it and take those backs out of the running game and just let the dogs go, Woo. it could be a long day for um, love and the Packers. And I hope that's what happens. And uh, if, the game on Sunday as a barometer of what's gone on before that, then that's exactly what should happen. The Cowboys, the only team to go undefeated at home, 8-0. They've won 16 straight games at home. Wow. And in home games this season, the Dallas has led the NFL in points scored, 299. Points margin, plus 172. Total offense at over 425. And turnover margin at 1.25 per game. Hopefully, that is a sign of things to come. A big reason for that success. Dak Prescott He's leads. Been exceptional. The, oh, I yeah. Mean, Led the league in touchdown passes, 36. He's the first Dallas player in 50 years to lead the NFL in TD passes since Roger Staubach, Hall of Fame guy. You might know him. Um, Prescott also became the first quarterback in NFL history with four games in a season with a completion percentage of 80 or higher. The word was in preseason, remember, in training camp, they were counting Dak's interceptions. He had regressed. He can't read defenses. That's not been the case at all. Dak is playing some of the best football of his career, and he's carried this team because the running game has not been that great until lately. But, Dave, know what's got me most stoked about this team, and I know it was just the Durs last week who didn't have much to play for, right. but not counting the three first and goal plays that the Cowboys were three for three and scored touchdowns on all three Dallas averaged 6.96 yards per play on first down. Yeah. This offense was second and three, third and two. It's perfect. That's exactly what you want. And yeah. they were able to just destroy the Durs because of that. If they can continue to run well and dominate on first down, they're going to be damn near impossible to beat. We have at least one game, at least two games at home if they win. Yeah, hopefully that defense can overwhelm the Packers. Hopefully Micah can get a holding call. It's been 11 games and he's not been held once. Crazy, man. For the guy that gets that much pressure to not be held once or find it a little bit out there. But he also got snubbed for an all pro bid, which I mm. think is going to come back and motivate Micah on Sunday. 
lots of expectations for these Cowboys. They got what they want. They play great at home. They got a home playoff. Yeah, game. the home record is is a huge, huge part of it, Casey. And I'm I'm really impressed with the performance that the Cowboys uh, have at home. And you mentioned when you're doing second and three or second and four, the whole playbook's in front of you, play action. Uh, and and the way uh, the DAC has been lacing the ball in there with such nice touch, uh, C.D. Lamb has really sh- – shown that he is arguably at this point the best receiver in the NFL. You can certainly make that argument. But Casey, it's really going to come down to this playoff performance here for Dak because really last year it came down to that the playoffs and Dak did struggle at whatever how, for whatever reason you want to call it. And this is the Cowboys. It's it's this is people either love him or hate him. And yeah. it's it's up to Dak right now to show everybody that what he did in the regular season can be translated into the postseason, and you guys can play uh, like you have at home all season long. Because, yeah, like you said, you're going to have this home game and another one if you take care of business. Yeah, and Dak wants that smoke. He's ready for it. So we're going to find out how ready he is on Sunday. Dude, I'm going to be squirming. Oh, it's going to – Will I be cute. able to sleep between now and then? TBD. <laughs> that is going to be a good one. All right, Casey, we have – our Los Angeles Rams heading to Detroit to play Rock the City. Detroit Rock City to play the Lions. The Lions are favored uh, by three in this one. And this is the Stafford Bowl, Casey, or the Golf Bowl, whichever one you want to start, the Stafford Golf Bowl, because now we have obviously these two guys traded for each other. And you got the pieces that the Lions were able to also accumulate as part of absorbing that throwaway contract that the Ram- the Rams couldn't wait to get rid of uh, Jared Goff, who had already taken them to a Super Bowl. But of course, they got Stafford. They won their Super Bowl. And now here we are. It's uh, it's going to be exciting to see these two guys and the storyline that surrounds them. Dave, do you remember 1992? <laughs> well, Barely. <laughs> it's a little fuzzy. Well, that was the year that some gave all was the best-selling record. That record was the debut album of one Billy Ray Cyrus. In November of that year, Cyrus and his wife gave birth to their daughter, Miley. Many years later, Miley would go on to be friends with Taylor Swift. Years after that, Swift would go on to date Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. But I'm actually talking about January 5th, 1992. That was the date the Lions last won a postseason game. A 38-6 to victory over the Cowboys. You didn't know where the hell I was going, did you, Dave? I'm Wiley. I'm spinning. Oh, but that was a divisional playoff win at the Pontiac Silverdome. And these Lions wow. are looking to create some new history with a win over, you said it, one of its former favorite sons. Yep. The storylines with these playoff games is absolutely insane. It's a beautiful thing. And the Lions uh, really putting together a nice season. They did get a major scare when their all-world rookie tight end Sam Laporta went down versus the Vikings. On Monday, Campbell said he would have an outside shot of playing. Well, Wednesday, Laporta participated in the team's walkthrough. But a walkthrough is not practice, so... That has me a little bit worried for him on Sunday, but a team coached by one of the toughest former tight ends in league history will try to find a way for Laporta to go. But what are they going to do if they don't have Laporta? He's been such a huge part of that offense. Obviously, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, one of their best players, and they have a, a stable there of good ones. But I love what's going on with the running backs there with David Montgomery and the rookie, Jamar Gibbs. This guy is kind of rounding into form now, showing the potential of what this offense can do. And uh, when they're running the ball and passing yeah. the ball, these lines are really hard to beat. That's a really nice tandem at running back there. Montgomery can kind of do the dirty work around the goal line and he's physical back. Mm-hmm. And then the Gibbs shows you the explosiveness that made him the 12th pick in the draft. Um he, uh, you know, just has that burst that's so exciting to see. And like you said, if Sam Laporta can or can't go, that's a real, real big, big thing uh, for the for this Lions team. Yeah, and that Lions defense has been pretty good, too. They've had some yeah. lapses there. Hutchinson's been awesome. He had three sacks against the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. Um, Campbell played the starters longer into that Vikings game than I thought they were going to go. But... He's had a plan for what he wants to do all season, and he's stuck with it. So 
when that toughness is your MO, you have to display toughness and they're yeah. going to need every bit of toughness against this Rams team because shockingly, dude, I thought the Rams were going to be trash this year yeah. and they have hit on so many of those late picks mm-hmm. and now they are healthy. And this is one of the hottest teams coming into the playoffs. Yeah. In fact, that at one point the Rams were three and six. Uh, Stafford had missed a game or two in there uh, and they, they looked like they were dead in the water, but they've won seven of the last eight and now they're 10 and seven. That's good for the sixth seed. The Rams have made the playoffs five times in the last seven seasons under wow. McVay. They won, of course, the Super Bowl 56 title after the 21 season. Stafford this year, almost 4,000 passing yards and 24 TDs. Cup though, has been struggling with injury this season, is rounding into shape physically, though, uh, in 12 games, 59 catches, 700-plus uh, yards, and five TDs. But it's, like you mentioned, a couple of fifth-round draft picks. Rookie Puka Nakua and Kieran Williams have been workhorses for the Rams, actually. Puka set single-season rookie records, 105 receivings, and 1,486 wow. yards receiving. Kieran Williams, or Kyron Williams, excuse me, out of Notre Dame, 1,350 scrimmage yards and 15 TDs. You know that all too well as he was your fantasy workhorse, Casey. Uh, what, what a nice tandem of late round picks to hit on, man. Um, so when you look at uh, what this Rams team is doing offensively, uh, when they get it going, it just seems like, man, they can really dazzle you with play calling and guys just breaking uh, breaking wide open and running free, man. And the way Kyron Williams has been running with such ferocity, um, uh, it just, and, and explosiveness. It's been an amazing, uh, amazing thing that he kind of came out of nowhere. Although I kind of was a, a fan of him at Notre Dame, yeah. but we, I did, you didn't see this, didn't see this. Coming. No, nobody did. And I really like what's going on there in a healthy Stafford, just the sky's the limit on this guy. And Dave, yep. I really want to root for Jared Goff and those Lions, but this is political. I need the Rams going to San Francisco because that's a would be yeah. a third round divisional game with those guys, and then anything yeah. can happen. That is if the Cowboys handle their business. But um, this Rams team is so complete. I don't like how they did Goff, and I love what's happening with Goff in Detroit. Yeah, and I feel bad rooting against a city that needs that dub, but um, yeah, like I said, this is political. a game where I, uh, as much of, of any of these games, it's where I want both teams to win. I know that can't yeah. happen, uh, but both of these teams, whichever one wins, I'm going to be excited for them moving forward mm-hmm. and disappointed for the team that loses. Absolutely. All right, Dave, the, I guess, was it last year that this thing started or two years ago? Anyways, we have Monday night football playoff edition and this one is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Eagles are two and a half point favorites. And this is a rematch from week three when Philly won at Tampa 25 to 11. But Dave, the trajectory of these two teams, opposite directions, bro. Yeah, Eagles started off the season one of the best teams in the league. They were 10 and 1. Uh, but lately they've struggled losing five of the last six. Now, those are some good losses in there. San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle, but and a feisty Arizona team. They split with the Giants, uh, and really in that Giants game that they won, that's really the only game that they've played decently on offense. Yeah. The other games, they really have not played well. Um, their record uh, fell to eleven and six. They are now the five seed, and they got to go on the road, right? So neither side of the ball has been playing good lately. Honestly, uh, the question is, can they flip the switch in the in the playoffs here, rediscover their pre uh, previous domination, right? But on a positive note, that all uh, as you look at the whole totality of the season, Jalen Hurts had a career year, his highest passing yards ever at over thirty eight hundred yards. He has twenty three pass TDs. He rushed for fifteen touchdowns, wow. and he had uh, two pass touchdowns in. Uh, excuse me, two touchdowns, one rushing and one passing in the week three matchup uh, versus the Bucs. So A.J. Brown had also a career high, 106 catches, 1,450 plus yards, seven touchdowns. uh, And he had 131 yards in the week three matchup. Uh, So uh, Devonta Smith, 81 yards, over a thousand, 81 catches, over a thousand yards on the season. So uh, Dallas Goddard has had a great season. DeAndre Swift, 
a career high 1,263 scrimmage yards, and he rushed for 130 yards in the week three meeting. So if the week three meeting is any indicator, then this offense should find its rhythm again. Uh, it is eighth in yards per game at over 350 on the season and seventh in points per game. But they uh, this defense, Casey, Ugh, yeah, it's not what it was last year. But I don't even know. I mean, I'm assuming those cats are going to play, but Devonta right. Smith missed last week. Uh, A.J. Brown left the game with injury right. last week. Right, so you're week. right. Quick, Swift is a little banged up. up. So, yeah, Jalen Hurts, this uh, is Jaylen, questionable. Yeah, he had that crazy finger Ooh. dude off the helmet. I thought he was just saying hello to the Raiders, but it turned out that that thing was pretty mangled. So yeah. no telling what's going on with these guys. And speaking of banged up, it's good that this game is coming on Monday night because Baker got the crap kicked out of him Ooh, in did. Carolina. Actually, the last two weeks, um, he's got the bad ribs. He's got the gimpy ankle, but Baker is as tough as they come. You know, he's ready to go. He'd be ready to go today if he had to. But yeah. the playoffs actually started for the Bucks last week as well, uh, as the Carolina game was a win or go home. And the Bucks beat up as they were. They found a way to win that game. Um, what I like about the Bucks plus eight in turnovers. What I don't like about the Eagles minus ten. Well, I actually love that about the Eagles because I hate the <laughs> Eagles. But anyways, both of these teams near the bottom of the league in pass defense. So that might make it yeah. for a shootout, which could be exciting. Bucks pretty good at stopping the run. They're going to have to contain Hurts and force into some big mistakes. That's happened quite a bit this season. He doesn't. He's got the rushing touchdowns, but those are mostly coming off of the the brotherly shove. There, it's not like he's running and as dangerous as he has been. There's talk about a knee um, holding him back. I don't know what the deal is there, but um, this Bucks defense giving up less than 20 points a game. And you mentioned uh, the week three, Philly ran for 200 yards, over five a carry. Swift, you talked 130 yards, but. The Bucks in that game gained just 41 yards on the ground at 2.4 per carry. That's not going to get it done, dude. They got to figure out a way to get their running game going. And one of the matchups I'm most stoked to see in this game is Vita Vea versus Jason Kelsey, baby. That Ooh. is going to be a battle up front. That will be a huge barometer on if the Eagles are able to run the football or not. The Bucks finished 32nd with just 88 yards per game on the ground. Ooh. But down the stretch, Rashad White, four straight games with 100-plus um, scrimmage yards. So he's going to have to be a major factor in this game, be it catching the ball or running it. Evans and Godwin, though, they should feast on this Philadelphia secondary who might not have big play slay out there. Yeah, I mentioned different directions down the stretch. Bucks five and one, Eagles one and five. But dude, a win makes all the bad stuff go away. A loss brings all that shit front and center. Yeah. And like you said, man, this defense, nowhere near what they were last year. They were 30th in the league for the Eagles, given up in terms of points per game, given up over 25 points per game, second to last against the past. And we've seen Baker light it up mm -hmm. in that that last portion of the season there when the Bucks were taking uh, care of their business, heading their, their way towards the playoffs last year. Remember they had over 70 sacks and four different dudes had 10 sacks yeah. this year. They only have 43 sacks. They can't get after the quarterback. Mm -hmm. They're not good on the back end. We just talked about their past defense being very porous. Um, they only have 18 takeaways on the season, which as you mentioned has led to them being negative 10 in the turnover differential and i you can't emphasize enough you mentioned the number of high quality players that they have that are questionable now i'm thinking these guys are going to get on the field yeah but again you're talking about hertz swift you know uh aj brown Devonte smith um and that's everybody it. that's yeah, the whole that's offense their offense right yeah. and you just said darius slay on the defensive side questionable and if they can't put these guys on the field and have a legitimate chance for them to perform then uh they're gonna get eaten up by baker in that passing game and we saw tyrod do that last week buy a little time find a wide open saquon he was finding dudes that there wasn't an eagle 10 yards around them so stuff Break is breaking down. down. I don't know yeah. if cats have already checked out. Obviously they lost both coordinators. Um, so there's lots of drama in Philly and with all those turnovers, who knows what could happen there. But uh, 
you know, it's my former former Sooner quarterbacks going head to head there. So, yeah. um, but <laughs> I want I'm rooting for Baker and these Bucks. Baker got that cool extra milli for getting these Bucks into the playoffs. Good for him. I just um, he's one of my favorite college players of all time. Finally got some stability and a team that's reaping the benefits for sticking with him. So, um, you know, Monday night playoff football, dude. I was in Mexico last year for that. So this is my <laughs> first little taste of this. So I am completely stoked, dude. Oh, dude, I am utterly and completely and totally stoked about this six-pack of games this weekend. Uh, yeah, and this one on Monday night's going to be a doozy. Ooh, I cannot wait. So many ways you can check out the football dudes, the trend zone, what you're listening to right now, available for subscription. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah. Also, folks, don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Instagram and Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Football Dudes LA, also known as X, and make sure you tag us across all social media platforms. And while you're out there surfing the interwebs, go ahead and hit a bookmark for footballdudes.com. That is going to do it for this wildcard weekend episode of the Trend Zone. We're not the suits that talk football. We're the dudes that know football. For Dave, I'm Casey, and we are out of here.